Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 643 with Shane Metcalf from 15.5. Shane's got a cool vantage point, seeing a whole lot of team data and a whole lot of insights that can come from it in terms of what are some of the fundamental things folks should be doing in terms of inspiring and managing and culture shaping. And it might be way easier than you think. Just a matter of some consistency. So you'll learn one, the one meeting a manager should always make. Two, the team building technique for great teams from the get-go. And three, how and why to keep an employee dossier. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcripts or the links to items that we've referenced, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP643. If you're hanging out at awesomeatyourjob.com, I encourage you to sign up for the Gold Nugget email list, which provides a summary write-up of what Shane had to say, those actionable tidbits, and about two or three minute read if you're reading every word. Or even faster if you're only reading the bold sections. Well, yeah, we make bold sections for you because we care. Yeah, make it even easier. So that's the Gold Nuggets at awesomeatyourjob.com. See the summary goods from Shane and all the guests as they go live, as well as access to the vault of all of those over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now, here's Shane's story. Shane Metcalf is a keynote speaker on building a world-class workplace and one of the world's leading pioneers in the space of cultural engineering and positive psychology. His insights have been found in Inc., Fast Company, Business Insider, Washington Post, TechCrunch, and Bloomberg. As the co-founder of 15.5, Shane and his team support HR executives with data-driven continuous improvement management. 15.5 has won numerous awards for their company culture, including the prestigious Inc. Magazine Best Workplaces Award and is ranked number three in the U.S. on Glassdoor. Follow Shane on Twitter and LinkedIn and listen to him co-host the Best Self-Management Podcast. Big thanks to Shane for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Shane. Shane, welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Pete, it's good to be here. And uh, I'm hoping that I'm uh, qualified. You know, I'm like asking myself, am I being awesome at my job today? And you know what? I think I am actually. (laughs) Well, the website says you're a visionary. So, oh, hey, man. That's a lot to live up to. (laughs) That's all you, uh, you know, websites are amazing. It's like Shane Metcalf, visionary. (laughs) Yeah, one one of the many illusions of the digital world, right? That that I'm a visionary. Oh, totally. Well, I, I don't think you envisioned getting a job after spilling orange juice on a customer, but you've got a fun story there. I've got to hear it. Yeah. So I was 
uh, God, I was probably about 19, 18 or 19. And I was working in a restaurant called the Western Sky Cafe in a town where I grew up called Taos, New Mexico. And I'd been in the restaurant industry for uh, four or five years or something, you know, kind of worked my way through high school. And one day I was waiting, I was serving tables and I go to deliver a glass of orange juice to this gentleman wearing a white shirt. And lo and behold, something happens and I spill the glass of orange juice all over this poor gentleman. And he's pretty gracious and I make the most of it and I handle it however I do. And then about 20 minutes later, somebody comes up to me and approaches me. And he's the, actually the guy that was washing the windows. We'd hired a professional window washer to wash the windows of our restaurant. And he comes up to me and he says, I was so impressed by how you handled spilling that glass of orange <laughs> juice on that poor dude. I'm wondering, do you want a job? Do you want a different <laughs> job? And he offered me a job to join his window washing company. Okay. And so I, I still don't really understand what I did that was so impressive other than like being apologetic and probably comping his meal and not being a, a a-hole after <laughs> spilling orange juice on him. But yeah, so it got, got me a job. And, you know, it's, I think that the lesson there is that we never see the big picture. We don't understand how things that seem catastrophic and bad news are actually the drivers of creative evolution. And zooming out a little bit, that's, you know, I mean, this is a very small example of that, but one of my favorite quotes is from this cosmologist named Brian Swim. And he said that the, the driver of life's creative evolution, and remember, this is a cosmologist, so he's thinking on these massive timescales, is always bad news, breakdowns, and chaos. Mm -hmm. It was the extinction of the dinosaurs that paved the way for small mammals to proliferate and become humans. Yeah. It's just part of the recipe of evolution is that the things that look horrible are actually moving the storyline forward. Well, boy, I could chew on that for a good while. And so you move the storyline forward in terms of the experience of, of work and, and management and culture at uh, your your client organizations. Your your company is called 15.5. First of all, what is that and what do you do? Yeah, sure. So 15.5, we are a people and performance platform. And so what does that mean? So we, we build software education and services that helps to create highly engaged and high-performing teams by helping people become their best selves. We mm -hmm. believe that human development, that careers are an opportunity for incubating human potential. So if we stop looking at our company as, hey, uh, I'm going to hire a bunch of human resources to then kind of extract value from them and generate profit and then kind of throw out the used resources. And we stop thinking of our people like that and actually looking at them as potential to be unlocked. We think that's really where the best performance, the most creativity, the most engagement, the most retention, and ultimately the most rewarding experience we can create for not only our, our people, but also for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So our software does everything from performance reviews and engagement surveys to more manager-focused tools like check-ins, one-on-ones, peer recognition, uh, real-time feedback, creating more of these opportunities to communicate and have the right and most important high-leverage conversations to improve everything inside of a company. Okay. Well, if those conversations are high leverage, 
sure sounds like we should be having them. Can you give us a picture for just how high that leverage is? Like what kind of results or lift or value do you see generated for, for your clients? Do you have any cool case stories or numbers to, to share here? Yeah, sure. I mean, you can go to our website. We have over 2,500 companies using us and there's a lot of really interesting stories. And, you know, I mean, no two companies are alike. And so no two applications are going to be the same. But one of the things that I love hearing one of the our customers, uh, the head of people at Credit Karma, she says she loves 15.5 because it instantly gives her x-ray vision into which are the managers that are actually engaging their teams and giving feedback and which managers are just not doing the basics of what foundational management principles really are actually being kind of required of us as managers, as people leaders, as people that are organizing other humans and helping to untap their creativity and problem solving and the ability to move the needle forward. So they could just see straight up, are the managers doing it? Are, are they in the platform having the, the conversations? Or are they not? Yeah. And that's a, and like, what's the quality of their conversations? What's the quality of the feedback? I mean, Gallup says, I mean, this is a pretty damning statistic from Gallup, but Gallup says only one out of 10 managers should actually be managers. Based on their, their competence. Based on their competencies. Yes. Okay. And competencies, strengths, it's a bit of a black box when you try to figure out, well, what, what are they determining that from? Mm -hmm. But, but bottom line that managing people is actually a pretty tough job. Yeah. Giving proper feedback, getting people aligned with their strengths in the right roles is not always a simple thing. And it really does require a bit of attention and intention. And so what we try to do with our software is provide the scaffolding of what great management really looks like and mm -hmm. make it easy. Automate that. Automate the asking of the right questions on a regular basis. It's a bit of a reinvention of the annual performance review into a slightly more frequent, less of a heavy lift, more future focused than just looking at the past. Also not only tied to comp because there's a big mistake in only tying performance conversations to compensation conversations because people are just trying to game the system to try to make more money and they don't go into the conversation as much around how can I actually improve performance and what are the blind spots? What are the areas for me to improve it upon? But then you have manager tools like the check-in and that allows you to automate the asking of questions around where are you stuck? What do you need help with? What's, what's an idea you have to improve your role? And you can front load your one-on-ones with getting this check-in so that you can sit down and actually have a coaching conversation versus a check-in conversation and waste that 30 minutes in person on just hearing what the latest is. All right. Well, well so, so much of what you're saying is is resonating big. I just want to make sure we, we've got the why nicely installed here. So have you seen some some rocking things in terms of the, I don't know, Gallup engagement number or the attrition rate or uh, sales performance? Or can you give us a couple hot numbers? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, some of these things are hard to measure an ROI on. And so the thing that I go back to is retention. We can go into an organization and through increasing recognition, increasing feedback channels, we keep people at companies longer. We keep the right people at companies longer. We're just starting to play in the engagement game. And so what, what I'm really excited about is not too far from now, we'll be able to run the assessment of engagement, get a score. And then through the deployment of 15.5s, you know, of, of the check-ins and better one-on-ones, see the impact of that. And it's so customizable. So depending on what you're struggling with as a company, 
you can then custom tailor the questions to direct those conversations. So say you're struggling with meaning. Say you, you're getting low meaning scores in your engagement surveys. You can then start asking questions and lead, lead trainings around, you know, what actually gives you meaning in your role. Where do you find meaning and inspiration inside the company? And maybe you aren't finding it. Okay, cool. Well, let's have a conversation around what would that actually look like? Are you just separating your job from meaning and inspiration? Or is there an opportunity to merge those two and potentially also maybe change change roles, start bringing more of your strengths to the table when you're actually doing that same role? All right. Well, let's dig into some, so we talk about the the basic foundational scaffolding management stuff. Like uh, we had a, a Bruce Tolgett on the show and we talked about what he called the crisis of under management. Yeah. And it sure it sure. still haunts me to this day. <laughs> it's like how I'm guilty of some of that and how insightful it is in terms of like, yeah, you actually don't have a clue <laughs> unless you're doing some of this very basic stuff on a regular basis. So lay it out for us. What are the basic things that managers need to be doing? And what are the basic questions that need to be asked and how often? And like, give us the one-on-one. Like, like what should a manager who's like doing his or her basic job be doing in terms of conversations? Yeah, okay. Well, look, like some of this stuff is so obvious that I like to think that, oh, well, everybody is doing, every manager is doing a one-on-one with their people at least twice a month. And so many times that's not actually happening. So let's just start there. Let's just start with one-on-ones. Because one-on-ones are a container to be having a conversation. doesn't mean you're having a really high-quality conversation, but that's the foundation. So regular one-on-ones, and then how do you actually design those one-on-ones? So first of all, the one-on-one isn't for you as a manager. It's not for you to be uh, holding your people accountable and, and making sure that they've done the tasks of their role. This is actually your employee's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. This is a chance for them to actually have a direct channel to you to talk about the things that are either going well, the things they want, career development conversations, blockers, places they're stuck in solving a problem. And and so if you can orient the one-on-one as more of a coaching conversation, and again, this is really kind of starting to shift out of the, the mindset of the, as a manager, I'm a task manager. Mm-hmm. which is what we want to be leaving behind and more into as a coach. Okay. I'm here to help you get your next job. All right. That's how I think managers should be thinking about this is I want to help you be successful so that you can go and get whatever job you want. All right. If we're successful, you're going to get a promotion. You can move careers. You can move industries. And so that's part of the context here I have as your manager is to help you get your next job. Okay. And I think from an unhealthy perspective, it's like my job as a manager is to keep you in your place so that you don't try to take my job. And that's an unhealthy approach uh, sure. to management. All right. So, so there we go. Some, some foundational pieces in terms of the right mindset, helping them succeed mm-hmm. and get whatever job they want, as well as just having one-on-ones just occurring on, on a regular basis, at least twice a month, you say. So, all right. Then what should, and in those one-on-ones, it's not about, did you do this or this or this or this, not about you know, accountability on the task checklist, but rather about um, serving them and, and their needs. And then uh, what are some key questions that are, are important to, to cover there? 
Sure. Okay. So other pieces of this uh, that I think are going to be useful in terms of how do you then actually maximize your one-on-ones is, are you setting the right goals? Are you helping your people get clear on what they're trying to accomplish in their role? Honestly, we actually should go back to the beginning and really go back to role clarity. All right. Let's do it. So kind of surprising, but one of the key things to psychological safety that we've discovered is not not 15.5, but you know Amy Edmondson and all the research that's been be, being done on psychological safety is that role clarity is a massive factor of whether people feel safe at work, whether people feel like they're they actually know what they're supposed to be working on and what are the expectations and the actual agreements of what they're supposed to be doing in their job. Yeah, well, you know that resonates and. Very few people have. It's like when I, what I don't know is like, so like what's important here and what should I be doing? And am I doing it? Am I not doing it? I hope I'm doing it, but I, I can't be sure. And thusly, th- there's always a, a lingering possibility that someone's gonna be like, Pete, you know what? You're just not, you're just not crushing it the way you want you to. It's like, what does crushing it really mean in this world, in this organization? So role clarity is huge. Most people don't have it. And that really, look, that, I mean, that starts at the beginning. Like you should be able to take the job description that you're posting for that job to hire that person. That should be so well thought out and detailed that basically you take that copy and paste it from the website. And that is that person's role description. Mm -hmm. And it should actually hold true. If you want some examples of this, if you go to our careers page at 15.5, I think 15.5.com slash careers, you can see what a really well thought out job description actually looks like. Okay. Ultimately... The job description, we call them actual role and performance agreements. Uh That's the role. This is exactly what we want in this this role. And this is exactly the the performance expectations. This is what okay looks like. This is what great looks like. And this is what exceptional looks like in this role. Uh So that right there is something that the manager and the employee should be crystal clear on. All right. And it takes a little bit of work up front. But it's, you know, it's front loading the work in the beginning to avoid pain down the line. Certainly. Well, and so, so give us an example there in terms of, so at, on your careers page, you've, you've done the work of, of showing them before they even apply, you know, for the role. Yep. This is what's up and, and what we consider great versus okay on those dimensions. That's pretty cool. So you have that clarity and that people are coming into, into that position with that clarity. And then the beginning of that relationship you know, your first week with your new manager, super important. Lots of research has shown the first 90 days of somebody's role experience at a job is going to be kind of a determinant of what, how long they stay. Yeah. Onboarding is super important. So, and again, another thing that a lot of companies get wrong about onboarding is they make the onboarding all about the company and oh, look at our values and look at what we're doing and this is where we're going and we're going to be a rocket ship and we're going to do all these things. And aren't you excited to join our club? Mm-hmm. And that definitely has a place, but you want to balance it with a lot of attention on the individual that's actually joining. Help them discover new things about themselves. Ask them what their personal values are. Discover what their strengths are. What does success for them look like in this role? Yeah. Because then it's actually, oh, wow, this, this company is curious about me and they're helping me learn and grow and evolve on my own path. Yeah. That's going to win every single time. If you help, your people learn, evolve, and grow, walk their own hero's journey, mm-hmm. you're going to get better performance. They'll either leave your company sooner if they're not the right fit, 
or they're going to stay longer if they are the right fit. Yeah. So in the onboarding process, we do what we call a best self kickoff. And this is generally about a two hour meeting. And so you can, you know, you get assigned a new employee and you, it prompts you to do a best self kickoff, and which is going through a set of questions designed to really actually build rapport and have the manager and employee get to know each other. Uh-huh. And again, it's about front loading some of the work here so you can build a better relationship. I mean, business is all relationship. Every single thing we do in business actually is about relationship. All collaboration is relationship. So if you have more rapport, you can have more truth. If you have more truth, you can be more efficient with how quickly bad news gets communicated, how fast you learn about what's really going on with your people and what the real problems of your company are. And so the best self kickoff is just a series of questions to go through and understand things like, how do you like to receive feedback? What's your preferred method of communicating? Which channels do you like to be on? You know, or do you, should I text you? Should I Slack you? Should I email you? Where are your work boundaries? You know, do you have obligations at home that really have you not be available at certain hours? Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of questions that so rarely get answered and agreed upon and established in the beginning of a management relationship. And so they often, without those things, there's a bunch of expectations, which are always going to lead to disappointment. People being like, oh my God, I can't believe that they didn't give me a public recognition and just gave Mm -hmm. me a private high five. And maybe they really love public recognition. And you would have found that out if you had only done a best self kickoff. You know, that's so good. And I'm reminded of one of our guests, Mary Abajay, who wrote a book about managing up. And she said exactly this, like, here's something that makes all the difference in the world with your management relationship is to have the conversation about, hey, what are your expectations and preferences like on on all these dimensions? And so like, just get that understanding from each other. And she says that in her experience, like less than 1% of people have had this conversation. And it it makes all the difference in the world, you know, in in terms of of having a great relationship. And so if you're not as fortunate to be a a 15-5 client organization, you can still engage in these conversations and get some of that clarity and expectation setting to proactively defuse, preempt just a billion kerfuffles and moments of irritation uh, down the road. Absolutely. And like, if you can keep a kind of an employee dossier, you know, where you it's like, okay, cool. This person on my team, their family is, is this, their strengths, their top five strengths are these their preferred method of communication, the way they like to receive appreciation is this way. You have an incredible resource to have that person feel deeply seen and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're going to actually get the best out of that person. They're going to, you know, I mean, you can give them all the perks and rewards, but if they don't actually feel seen and appreciated by their manager, it dramatically shortens the life cycle of them at your company, as well as it just, it just kind of, limits the amount of success and joy they can have in their role at a company. And let's hit let's hit the dossier and some of the big points. So so top five strengths, I mean, that's easy to get with strengths finder or or whatnot, or as well as maybe some reflections. And it is. So like the two evidence-based strengths profiles are Gallup and via character strengths. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what my head of people science tells me. Okay. And the strengths are really interesting because strengths, I like to say that the first time I did strengths, I got, you know, I did my top five from Gallup and I got them and I read the thing and it kind of felt like a bad horoscope. Mm. It's kind of like, ah, meh, okay, kind of resonates, whatever. 
it didn't really make an impact. It wasn't until later I actually worked with a facilitator and a coach on strengths that it, the light bulb really went on. And I think most people are in that kind of uh, bad horoscope relationship to strengths. Hmm. And strengths is unbelievably powerful, but it takes a little bit of digging. It takes a little bit more contemplation to really unlock them. Okay. And so I would highly recommend if you're a manager, make a study of strengths. Help your people not just take the strengths assessment, but then really be in a in a months-long conversation. I mean, really, you should be in conversation about your strengths your entire career. Because the more you look into it, the more it opens up and the more you realize, wow, okay, I really could develop these strengths into my superpowers as a professional. You uh -huh. know, you want to talk about how to be awesome at your job. It's strengths. Use your strengths. That's yeah. the secret. Like it's that simple and it's that complex. So a big part of the game is, is really digging in beyond, oh, activator. Okay. Ideation. All right. You know, but yep. just like, no, no, seriously, what are the kinds of places where I'm getting like all these ideas? What are the kinds of activities I'm doing as I'm getting those, like to, to really dig deep such that it's not just a, hey, good for you, Shane, you know, it's a, here's yep. a star for the strength you've got, but to, to really zoom in on how do I cultivate that into the superpower? And I guess what I'm finding personally, as I, as I do this sort of thing is that a lot of the game is getting all the stuff that needs doing that are not my strengths done in different ways without me. Yes. It is hard. It's hard to like, let go of things like they're trusting people, developing processes and systems and, and talent and others to say, this is yours. You own this now. I'm saying goodbye <laughs> because I'm okay at this and you're yep. great at it. And it just makes more sense for it to be here. But it, it takes a lot of doing to make that handoff. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think as managers, you know, essentially we're orchestrators. We are the ones who, with a greater responsibility to make sure that we're helping our people actually understand their strengths. And this is a kind of a recent revelation that kind of blew my mind is that every strength has a need and a contribution. Like what does this strength want to contribute and what is the need of this strength? Yeah. And you you can go, you know, look up like need Gallup strengths needs. I think that you'll find a chart on this, but it really, it kind of opened my eyes of like, wow, right. Like part of what's so difficult about designing cultures and designing really thriving companies and cultures is that fundamentally, I think culture is about meeting human needs. And so we have universal ones around belonging and connection and esteem and growth and autonomy and mastery and all these things. But then there's the nuanced ways that it shows up. And okay, you know, Pete, you have a different top five strengths than me, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. but maybe we have the exact same ones. It would be interesting to compare. But those are all going to have their own unique combination of needs to feel truly fulfilled. Yeah. And so designing a culture where you can you can meet a broader range of human needs is how you win the culture game. Mm -hmm. Business traditionally was like, hey, we only care about you as a professional. You're a cog in the machine. We don't even really care about your thoughts about things, let alone your feelings about things. Mm -hmm. And now we're, we're just broadening the scope of this. We're saying, actually, we want to support you in having a great life as well as a great career. And so we're in personal development is also professional development. And so we're going to support and nourish the whole being the whole human. 
Yeah. And I think there's distinctions there because we're not actually supporting the whole human. There's parts of us that truly are better off that to not be addressing in the professional context. Mm -hmm. But there's a much broader range of the whole human that we can address as business leaders than we've traditionally been led to believe. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I, I love it, Shane, how you you walked us back a little bit and we, and we zoomed out and we said, let's just get the fundamentals in terms of role clarity, understanding expectations associated with the role and how we care to interact with each other, having that deeper sense of, of person knowledge that builds out the dossier with the, the top strengths and, and such. So then if now that we've established some of the fundamentals that almost no one establishes... <laughs> Let's hear about some of these one-on-ones. All right. What are some of the questions and content that we should be covering over and over again? So again, it's not only because it's part of the one of the main products in our platform, but because I think it's actually good practice and the science backs us up on this, is the asynchronous check-ins that lead into your one-on-one. And so what I mean by that is take a few minutes to write down the answers to some basic questions in advance of your one-on-one. Okay. And those, where are you stuck? What do you need help with? There's a great quote, a problem well stated is half solved. Mm -hmm. Get your people to state their problems and articulate exactly where they're stuck. Yeah. And they're already half solved. They've already done part of the work. You know, this reminds me of just, I don't know, junior high, high school, maybe maybe middle school. I don't know. Learning ages. <laughs> Some folks would ask a question of the teacher and it was just, I don't get it. <laughs> you can even see the teachers frustrated. Like, I guess I could repeat what, am what I, I do just said. I mean, I don't know. Versus I noticed that the good students would ask a more specific questions like, okay, wait, so what's RNA polymerase's role in this whole you know, DNA process that's that's going down here? Because I see what these things did, but what's the RNA polymerase? So yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's well said in terms of we have a little bit of precision and clarity and specificity associated with, this is where I need help. Uh, this software platform makes no sense to me. And I've asked, you know, four different people, like how the heck to do this thing? And none of them seem to, to have a clue. So I need to know how to do this function in this software platform, which is is way more specific than like, I don't know, Expenses suck. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I mean, I also know that we have heard anyone that's been in business has heard ridiculous complaints that are only complaining and aren't actually addressing the problem instead of saying, you know, and so it's instead of like getting into your one-on-one and then the person just bitching about expenses, you already ask the question, what are you struggling with? Where are you stuck? And they say, I'm really struggling with my expense report. I, I just don't understand how to classify the lunches that I'm supposed to expense. And it just really confuses me and it just hurts my brain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the beautiful thing is that that does not belong in a one-on-one. That is something that you can then go and answer ahead of the one-on-one yeah. and say, oh, you categorize it as a, you know, as a benefit, mm-hmm. company benefit, category 12. Wow. Boom, done, handled, cleared. And then you can get into the deeper meteor issue maybe of like, and then, you know, maybe they also bring up that, and maybe they may put this in a private comment. I'm having a really hard time with Sally and we're, we're having a lot of conflict and I'm pulling away on that team. That's the kind of meaty stuff that then that one-on-one can be 
used to coach this person mm-hmm. on and to challenge them and to actually challenge them through the values of the company to challenge them to lean in and go direct with that person. Yeah. So where are you stuck? What do you need help with? Phenomenal question. What's going well? What are you proud of? What are you celebrating? The power of small wins cannot be underestimated. There's a great book, a woman, Teresa Mabale, wrote The Progress Principle. And it's all this research they did on what actually makes the biggest difference in improving somebody's inner work life. And so they had a bunch of professionals keep these journals of tracking their inner work life. How are they actually actually were feeling at work? And the number one determinant they found was an experience of making progress on meaningful work. Mm-hmm. And one of the easiest hacks to create a sense of progress is to actually record the small wins. Yeah. And so those are kind of just preliminary basic questions that you'd be asking ahead of one-on-ones so that you can then go in and actually have that time to to get into the heart of, of what this person really wants. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's problem solving with issues at work. And sometimes those are actually career conversations of what do you really want? Like, okay, like you're, you're pretty happy in this role, but you know that sales isn't actually what you want long-term. And you want to start thinking about maybe actually product is calling your name or maybe customer success is, is that. And so that's where we get to put on the coach hat and Mm -hmm. really start thinking about how do I help this person get clear about what they want? And then once they know what they want, how do I help them get it? Yeah. And my experience is that even when that conversation leads to that, helping that person get clear that they don't want to work at my company, it's a good thing. Yeah. Because they're obviously not going to be fully engaged mm-hmm. if they don't want to be there. And if, they, if you help them pursue their career as a DJ and quit, um, we actually had somebody do that. You know, they, they were like, yeah, like, because we hold these annual in-person company retreat and I had a, an aspiring DJ and he l- loved DJing the retreat so much. He was really inspired and through a lot of support from us, actually went to pursue his career to produce electronic music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, for me, like, that's just the coolest as an entrepreneur, as a founder, those are the stories that fill me up. Yeah. Because when people actually come into alignment with doing what they actually want to be doing in life, that's how we are awesome. That's how we're awesome at our job. Yeah. That's when we're not wasting our time doing something we don't want for, for a paycheck to, you know, what, what's it like doing a job we don't like to make money for a job for a house that we don't ever spend any time in. And, you know, and it's just a miserable cycle. And I think we can do better in the business world on that. Yeah, well, that's great. Thank you. Well, Shane, we hit some big ideas and I'd love it if, if maybe you could just give me a couple just like, hey, top do's and don'ts. You've looked at a lot of research seeing a lot of correlations across a lot of things as people are checking in and having exchanges and answering questions. Could we wrap before we hear some about your favorite things with just a couple top do's and don'ts based on what you've learned on management from your unique vantage point? Do get personal. Like there's obviously nuance to this, but care about the whole person. Care about what they really want. Get curious about what they want out of life, what they want to experience, how they want to grow and what they want to contribute. Go back to those three questions and dig deep and really understand who this person is and what are their intrinsic motivations in life. Mm -hmm. 
That's going to build a better relationship. It's going to establish more trust. And it's ultimately, I think, going to produce a more productive working relationship. Don't. Don't neglect your people. Don't skip your one-on-ones. Don't always cancel them because something more urgent came up. Mm -hmm. That's going to communicate that you don't care, that that person's not really important, and that you aren't invested in their growth and development. Do study strengths. Go deep into StrengthsFinder. Understand your own strengths and be really honest with yourself of whether you like managing and whether managing other people is something that you want to do and you're intrinsically motivated by, or is it, did you get into management because it was the only way up the career ladder, but really you'd love to actually still be coding and doing IC work. Mm. That's a really interesting one because most companies have it set up as a trap. Why do we have so many crappy managers that shouldn't be managers in the first place? Because it's the only way to gain social status and make more money. Mm -hmm. So as company builders, as HR professionals, we need to design career progression tracks that accommodate for other ways of progressing in the company other than just being a manager. All right. Thank you. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? This is a poem by this guy, Jed McKenna, that wrote books on spiritual awakenings. And it's pretty short. It's called Open Sky. If you are not amazed by how naive you were yesterday, you are standing still. Mm. If you're not terrified of the next step, your eyes are closed. If you're standing still and your eyes are closed, then you are only dreaming that you are awake. A caged bird in an open sky. All right. Thank you. And so stay on that, that own bleeding edge of your, your development, your own evolution. We need to be on the continual journey of examining our own beliefs, re-examining what we hold as true. You know, Adam Grant just came out with a really cool new book called Think Again, which is about questioning our underlying assumptions about things mm-hmm. and rethinking how we approach the world. Yeah. And we need to be doing that. The world is changing. Our jobs are changing. If we don't re-examine them, we will be left in the dust. All right. And a favorite book? An Everyone Culture, Becoming a Deliberately Developmental Organization. Phenomenal book about how do we actually create cultures that focus on developing all the humans inside of them rather than just our high potentials. And that learning and development is something that needs to be baked into our daily process rather than some retreat or an offsite. And a favorite habit, something you do that makes you awesome at your job. Oh, uh, hanging upside down. No kidding. Phenomenal, phenomenal habit. Can't recommend it enough. Various ways of doing it. Everything from an inversion table to like a yoga swing. And so every morning... I do my morning pages. I write out three pages handwritten of stream of consciousness. And then I hang upside down for five to 10 minutes. And then the other one inside of that is Wim Hof breath work Mm -hmm. to alkalize the body, oxygenate the whole system. That's like kind of my trifecta right now is Wim Hof breath work, morning pages, hanging upside down. Okay. And is there a particular nugget you share that connects, resonates with folks? They quote it back to you frequently? The journey of helping somebody become their best self is a long-term commitment. It's not something that just happens once or you have a momentary commitment to somebody. It really is a long-term journey and we need a long-term commitment. Okay. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them? 
Yeah, so you can sign up for our content, 15.5. You can just go to our blog. Uh, I think it's 15.5.blog.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Shane Metcalf. You can also follow our podcast, HR Superstars, where we're interviewing kind of the leading experts in HR, people operations, culture, management, leadership. And that is, you can find that at HR Superstars if you just search in any of the major platforms. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, really understand if that's the job you want. Mm -hmm. If you fell into your life kind of by accident and now are just in the the habit of inertia and feel like you can't actually break out, you know, that's a really dangerous place to be. Because if you're just staying in your job because, well, what else would I do or I don't know how I would do anything else, probably means you haven't really examined the rest of the options. And we're always free. We can always make new choices, even if it means some sacrifices and to kind of shake things up in a pretty radical way. But but, you know, life is short. That's really actually live the life that we want to live and connect with our deeper sense of purpose and passions and be aligned with what we truly are meant to be doing here. Shane, this has been a treat. Thank you. I wish you and 15.5 all the best. Pete, thanks so much for having us. I really appreciated Shane's take on how if you have more rapport, you can have more truth. And I think that is just so true. Uh, truth about truth. And I'm thinking back, maybe a less inspiring or version of this is, is what happens when, when you don't have it. This was way back in episode 149 with Chris Edmonds, and I love this. He said, the trick is that people in the organization see stuff that's dumb. They see stuff that gets in the way. And if they're not feeling trusted or validated, then it's like, screw that. <laughs> it's apparently your problem, right? Yeah. And so I think that that is as a good articulation of how that shows up in practice. If you have that power, if we have that trust, then you're able to say, hey, I'm, I'm noticing this. I'm going to bring forth this truth and we're going to do something about it. We're going to get better and better and better and be high performing and awesome and have a whole lot more fun. Or it's like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> Not worth it. Silence. So again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP643. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, Check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 